When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk Hey, that's um, that's pretty bad. The Raptors lose one eighteen to one fourteen against the Indiana Pacers. They've been swept on the season series at this point. Uh, OG Ananobi had this big bold claim. I think a couple days ago he said we're going to go home. We're going to keep going on that winning streak or bust off a winning streak, whatever that is. They have three more home games now. They got to win all three or something. Losing to the Pacers is pretty bad, especially since they don't have Tyrese Halberton playing in this game and there's Andrew Nemhard you know he's Canadian O'Shea Brissett Canadian um Benedict Matherin Canadian like they have a bunch of Canadian guys coming back and playing well and that's great and Nemhard obviously that late step back three 25 and 10 throughout the double drag screens that the Raptors had trouble guarding that's all great stuff but the Raptors they don't really have an excuse at this point even with Gary Trent and, and Precious Situ and Scotty Barnes missing to lose to this team. And of course, they they do end up losing to them. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk. And it is, of course, brought to you by Goldfinger Law. And hey, here's the thing about Goldfinger, man. You only pay if you win. If you lose, you don't got to spend a dime. And you know what? You keep that dime for something else. You've got legal problems if you lose. But hey, or maybe you don't. Maybe it's, you know, you're trying to get something. You're, you what? You, I don't have to get into it. You know what the deal is. If you win, you win. You pay a little money. If you lose, hey, no losses. If you're interested, four one six seven three zero one triple seven. The Raptors lost. OG seven points, four steals, impressive defense throughout. Couldn't be the stopgap at the end of the game, as the Pacers did a really good job of targeting actions. That brought more players into the mix so that OG couldn't, you know, ice something and dominate a pick and roll setup or anything like that. Um, Pascal, 31, 10, and 7. He was awesome in this game. And I mean, really, really awesome. Jakob, despite missing the free throws late, he challenged Turner in a way that I think Turner was pretty uncomfortable with. And I think he had a really strong grip hold on the front court. This game wasn't lost there. Pascal and Pirtle, they won the front court aspect of this game. Thoroughly, you know, Pearl gives you 23 and eight. He was pretty good on the inside. I think that, you know, the Pacers got there to a decent degree, especially late in the game. That wasn't really Pirtle's fault, though. That's more so point of attack defense and perhaps, you know, some mixed um, coverages by the Raptors. The The communication around that kind of getting lost in the shuffle, some breakdowns happened. Um, this is what Nick Nurse said. This is what Fred said. This is what Chris Boucher said as they came out to talk after the game. But as far as Pirtle and Pascal, I think they really held their own Pascal. He came on so strong in the second half. It had started towards the end of the second quarter. He got downhill off of a closeout, really nice lay down to Jakob Pirtle. There was also a really nice touch shot over Miles Turner, and it was like, okay, maybe he's turning the corner. He had a few, a few blow-bys in this game. 
he got to target quite a few mismatches because of the guard heavy lineups that the Pacers are playing on those switches, doing early work, running on the floor, getting into position to score. He had 18 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was really, really impressive in this game and only one turnover. The decisions he was making were really good. He made really good decisions against doubles, when to keep, when to draw them in further, when to make the read, all that kind of stuff. 28 and 11 for Fred. And so this wasn't like a, a hallmark game for Fred or anything like that. It's had some turnovers in this. He also, you know, he had five turnovers. He didn't shoot very well. And that's kind of why Fred, you know, he shot like 30% from the four in this game. I think 25% from three. And as far as carrying the offense, I think that his skill set was doing more carrying than, you know, his actual production, I would say. Because as far as it goes, the Raptors playing against the Indiana early on, they had a tough time getting the ball into the paint. And they also had a tough time shooting the ball. You know, you follow that process, trying to fix these things. Who's going to get the ball into the paint most consistently recently? It's actually been Fred and not out of ISOs or just kind of dusting guys, but as far as making sure that he gets downhill off of the pick and roll, continues to probe, maybe something opens up for Pirtle, maybe there's an open shooter, maybe two birds, one stone, and then also being able to use him as kind of release valve at the end of possessions as a shooter. This didn't really pan out, obviously. You shoot like 30, 31%. You're not saving anybody's skin on the offensive end, but the Raptors really needed him in this game. Gary's gone, right? Scotty's gone. Precious is gone. Um, you have OG for the first time in honestly a couple weeks, not giving you anything from downtown. He goes one for seven. Pascal also 0 for two in this game. There's been some games where you might expect like two for five or three for seven, and you just don't get anything there. The Raptors actually took more threes in this game. They went seven of 34, and the Pacers went 11 of 21. A bit more selective way more efficient, right? You're looking at like 20% to 55% as far as the the comparison of what's happening there. Um, you know, guys like Ben Matherin, man, three of three. Nemhard, three of five. Nora comes off the bench, two for three. They just, they played really good basketball. They searched for the best shots. They were super efficient when they got out in transition, despite it not being um, that often for them, not a high frequency. And they just, man, they made the most of their shots. And the Raptors, they just didn't. Will Barton uh, started in this game. I don't, I've come here after every single podcast. Every game Barton has played in. And I don't want to be too hard on Barton. I just think that the Raptors have another guard on the roster in Jeff Down Jr. Who I'd much rather see get these types of minutes. Barton, he wasn't good. He struggled defensively. He missed all of his threes over five. I think three of which were like wide open the ideal shot in a possession. And here's the thing, Jeff Dalton Jr., I don't want to harp on it for too long, but this is a guy, he shoots like between 36 to 40% across his G League career. And that's, the G League line's the same. It's it's the defense that factors into it. But as far as open catch and shoot looks, that Dalton, if he's in those spots, is inevitably going to get, he's a capable shooter. It's he He's kind of treats himself like a non-shooter. The league treats him, or not the league, the team treats him like a non-shooter. And I don't think that should be the case. He can score. In fact, he hit a contested off the dribble, like 19-footer in this very game. Those were his only two points. But I'd like to see more consideration of Delton as opposed to Barton. And Barton wasn't very good in this game. Um, He's had more featured roles off the bench where he's like a pick-and-roll ball handler. 
he tries to create that hasn't gone well. He was obviously paired back in this game. He he was asked to do less and to just take the offense as it comes to him. He made some good decisions, but the the punch at the end of these possessions, it just wasn't there. And Chris Boucher, he comes off the bench. He plays like 28 minutes, right? He has 11 points. He has six rebounds. I thought that his energy was really great. Malachi Flynn also giving you like 17, 18 minutes. He had a couple threes made. He got to the line for um, two free throws, and it was just like he provided a good look at the end of some of these possessions. He didn't hit everyone. And that's, of course, that would be a little bit too storybook. But as far as a guy actually making sure that the Raptors, they follow good process. It's like side top side action. It hits a shooter. That shooter's got to make it. In a game where the Raptors shoot 20% from downtown, Malachi coming in and giving you two of four, super big deal. He almost, he made what, like 27, 28% of the Raptors threes on the night. And, you know, he certainly didn't take that amount. Uh, as far as attempts go, I thought I thought that he was impressive, and and he had pretty he did a pretty good job chasing around T.J. McConnell, who man he had quite a bit of success. Um, just uh, yeah, I had a tweet about this. I was like, nobody headbutts, probes, headbutts, and then hits a mid range jumper like T.J. McConnell. I think Rick Carlisle he had this awesome quote like two or three months ago where he said T.J. McConnell is a once in a decade player. Man. When I think about that quote, it just makes me laugh. And he is, and not in like the talent respect, but just in like, there isn't a guy who plays like this. He's the all-time NBA leader in backcourt steals, not in actuality, but they started tracking that stat during his career. There are other guys like Gary Payton, for example, Isaiah Thomas, um, who would have been much more prolific, but hey, you know, they started tracking it when TJ McConnell was in the league. He's the all-time NBA leader. He's a funky little, you know, probing guard who gets into the crevices of the defense, can hit push shots and little jumpers and faders. And he had a nice little run for the for the Pacers when their offense truly looked like it was um, having a lot of time, a lot of trouble scoring. Like the Raptors did a pretty good job of neutering some of the Nemhard and um, Buddy Heald actions, whether it's the pick and roll or some of the motion shooting actions like the the pin downs to try and drag the defense and make it misshapen and break scheme. And they did a really good job in the middle quarters, the, the second and third. But that fell apart in the fourth once the Pacers kind of batten down the hatches and said, we're going to figure out how to score here. And they really did. What the Raptors had probably the most trouble with in this game was the double drag. Um, they they ran it a lot late. They got a couple looks at the rim for Turner. They had an end one. They had um, a mismatch into into a fader for him. They had Nemparts three. They also had a couple other good looks out to the sides with the Raptors sending more guys towards the action. That's the tough part. Like I asked Fred about this post game. I said you guys had a lot of trouble guarding the double drag. Did you think that's about being a little bit stickier at the point of attack? Did you think that's about being a little bit earlier in rotations at the back end? Like, how how do you get around this? And he he said he wasn't quite sure. He had to go watch the film of it. And I suppose I do too. I just got back from the arena. Um, Perhaps I'll write about this. I guess we'll see what I write. It'll be out tomorrow regardless. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of what did the Raptors in. I do think that um, being stickier at the point of attack would have been better Miles Turner set some pretty good screens, but he's not like the the world-ending screener. He shouldn't be setting guys loose that easily that it's like it's just a guaranteed you're going to get a paint touch or you're going to be adjacent to the paint if you get a screen against the Raptors late. That's not really a good excuse. 
Um, the Raptors didn't have good enough point of attack defense. And then at the back end too, like some late rotations like that, that Miles Turner and one, that's OG stepping up pretty late and putting himself in because it's like, and I'd, I'd have to look at it again probably to know for certain. But when I'm remembering this play, it's OG stepping up late. He's doing the the weak side zone. The Raptors aren't tagging. But since they ran that double drag, um, Turner's able to come into space down the lane. Man, Nemhard makes a, like a really nice pass behind the behind the head pass or behind like over the shoulder pass, something like that. And um, yeah, Turner catches it pretty deep in the paint. OG's late to step up. And at that point, I think it probably would have been better if OG was already rotated over tagging Turner and forcing the ball out to the corner, like a, a longer pass where he can catch up and then the Raptors can catch up and front Turner on the other side, something like that. But this is just me spitballing how to defend that action, not actually... I don't know what they're like. They they ran a couple different things late, so I'm not sure if that was what they were supposed to do. And OG was like late in scheme, or if he was breaking scheme because Nembhard made a really good pass that made him break scheme. You know, so it's always tough to assign blame. Um, so I, I I don't really, especially defense. I don't like doing it that much. There's there's plenty of bad process to talk about in a game, and the Raptors like bad transition defense. The Raptors not having the right amount of get up and go to start this game getting themselves in a hole it's just that stuff you can just focus in on rather than you know that that play from og which there's like a million different permutations you reggie evans award i'm going to give it to Jakob purtle i thought that he hustled his butt off and he was a massive part of controlling the paint and really adding like the the extra possessions that the raptors needed um they obviously didn't convert on but they did need them the top quick reaction comment is from tmlfan underscore 15. Quote, the deadline trade did two things, secure a legit defensive anchor and a great team for a center, and secondly, give this group every opportunity to pick up their game and show the front office they are worth investing in. On both fronts, the trade was brilliant. There can be no doubt in the front office's mind that it's time to make a major overhaul to the makeup of the group. Yeah, they, um, they have the platform to perform. They have a guy who kind of legitimizes the front court, who has very clearly had a profound impact on some of the team and um, like a, a really great and profound impact. Man, but as far as the Raptors actually being able to contend and all this kind of stuff, it's next year. And there's a really, and even contend is kind of like this, who knows what that means, right? Is, is it that they are a contender? I don't probably not. Is it that they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs? Probably. Um, they might be this year too. But the space between now and then contains um, a lot of basketball or maybe not so much basketball. Maybe it's just the end of the season. Maybe it's just the end of the season. Who knows? But um, it's going to be a big summer. I think everybody's starting to realize that. Um, perhaps even the players, right? So thanks for writing in. Um, listener, thank you for listening in. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, like the video, subscribe. Most importantly, go to raptorsrepublic.com, subscribe over there. And if you're listening to this on the podcast channel, thanks for chopping it up with me. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.